0: Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing and concluding our series this morning on The Symptoms of a Hard Heart. This is a three-part series, and uh, this will be part number three. So, um, just so you know, all of our teachings and, and Bible studies are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with our ties, and with our offerings. And in case you're wondering how you can do so, simply go to our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, Go to our Give page and you can give it anywhere from around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website, we have our mailing address and you can send it there. If you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your tax donations and contributions are 100% tax deductible as we are 511C3 Church. Uh, I need to specify that. Okay. So anyway, uh, without uh, one other announcement, we will have our Bible Say tonight on the Believer's Authority uh, by Andrew Womack, and we will have that Bible Say tonight at 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time here in California. So anyway, without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning. I have a lot to cover. This is a three-part series. We're on part number three, and so uh, we're going to dive right into that, and next week I'm going to start a new series. I'll talk about that at the end. So anyway, we're talking about the symptoms of a hard heart. Originally, I thought this was just going to be a one uh, one Sunday message. Uh, I was talking about... uh, what are you expecting? More uh, Talking more about miracles, talking uh, uh, talk about faith. We should be expecting miracles, we should be expecting uh, God to do things in our lives. And, but then I, as I continued to study and ponder this uh, whole teaching of the symptoms of a hard heart, <coughs> excuse me, I began to go into, um, in my own thoughts, in my own study and preparation, talk about a drunken heart, and we talked about this last week, uh, being a drunk heart, being drunk with the carries of this world, and, and, and the worry, and we're we'll talking about worry and how we have been, in a, many of us have been in a drunken stupor over the cares of this world, and over, uh, over many things that we should not be uh, concerned about. Today we're going to go to rehab, and we're going to talk about sober-mindedness, and we'll see in the New Testament that, The scriptures have a lot to say about being sober-minded, especially in these last days. Okay? And so, uh, there's a lot the scripture has to say about this. Now, our key verse that we've used, we had a a cluster of key verses last week, and we're going to be really looking at some of those again this morning. One of those is from Proverbs 4.23, where it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. We need to keep our heart with all diligence. Because out of our heart comes issues of life. Okay? So again, we need to guard our heart. And, and, and in guarding our hearts, we're, gonna, we're talking about rehab this morning. We're talking about being sober-minded. To prevent our hearts from being overloaded, which we talked a lot about last week with a drug card, there are things we need to get out. There's some things that we don't need in our hearts. There's some things that we need to detox out of our hearts, as we, and, and, and under the umbrella of guarding our heart with all diligence, because out of it flows issues of life. Hopefully, I'm i making sense, okay? See, in other words, another way of looking at this, we need to uh, to learn how to let some things go. Some things just need to let go, okay? You need to let go and let God, okay? And we're going to be talking about things of that nature this morning. See, there are some there are things we can't allow to get deep seeded into our hearts. There are some things we just can't let those seeds sprout and and fester and grow into a big oak tree in our hearts. How many of you know? I mean, back in the day when when my parents would have me go and get the dandelions in the backyard, you know, it's easier when they're smaller to get them out. When they when a weed grows into a big weed, it's a little harder, okay, you gotta dig a little deeper, the roots go further, you know, some things are just, and even if you've never weeded before, could you imagine a, a brand new oak tree that just barely sprouted from a seed, would be easier to pluck out than a big oak tree, that is grown into a full size, it's easier to, there's some things that are easy to get out of our hearts at the early stage, and they are, if they've been in there for a few years, a few decades, or a lifetime. Okay? Another passage that we looked at last week was from Luke chapter 21. Jesus said, he's talking in context in Luke 21, he's talking about the last days. And he says, so you also, when you see these things happening, what things? Jesus, Paul, James, John, Peter, they all said these last days, perilous times will come. And there can be a lot of things happening in the last days. He says, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near, and surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves. We're going to be talking about that this morning, taking heed to ourselves. That sounds, that sounds selfish. That sounds uh, uh, against everything we treat, teach in this church. Uh, but we're going to look at that in context here. Lest your hearts be overweight. If we don't take heed to ourselves, Heat to ourselves, our heart can be weighed down, okay? With kerosene, drunkenness, and cares of like, and and that day come upon you unexpectedly. We looked at verse 34 in the King James. <coughs> Excuse me, and take heed to yourselves. Again, we're going to come back to that. That's at any time your heart will be overcharged. That's where we came with the word overcharged. I didn't say it, Jesus did. With serpentine, and drunkenness, and cares of like. life. We, we looked at these three things: serpentine, drunkenness, and the cares of this world. These three things have a tendency to overcharge our hearts. Okay? And again, this word surfeiting is is new to us because we don't use it. It's only used once in Scripture and we never use it. So we we, we looked up that word and it means to indulge in one's appetite excessively. We looked at some examples. Food versus gluttony. We all need food, but we we shouldn't overcharge our hearts our, our, our bellies, with too much food, okay? Like we looked at the comparison of sex versus lust of perversion. Sex is a good thing within the combined of marriage. God said it was good in, the, in that context. But anything outside that context is a perversion, okay? Social media versus digital addiction. Some people are anti-social media. Well, if you're anti-social media, you're probably not listening to this message because we are on social media reaching 1,400 people worldwide. So I'm not against social media. If we didn't have social media, in many ways, our church would be shut down. Okay, and so, but there's overindulgence to digital addiction. There's more than just looking at Facebook and YouTube and as a stomach turns. Okay, so so anyway, there's a lot we can get overindulged with anything. You can get so even as a minister, as a pastor, you can get overindulged into ministry and you neglect your family. Okay, that's servitude. Okay, servitude is also Uh, Self-indulgence and self-centeredness. It's all about self, okay? It's all about the lust of the flesh and and feeding that appetite. We also looked at Matthew 11, 28, 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm doing a little bit of recap from last week. We're going to tie a lot of what we talked about last week into this week. Okay, Jesus wants us to walk yoked with him, or yoked to him. Jesus wants us to find rest for our souls. Jesus wants us to learn from him. And also, said, going back to Luke 21 real quick, we need to learn to take heed to ourselves. We need to learn that. And that sounds so contradictory to a lot of things that we teach here. Uh, we need to learn how to take heed to ourselves. Because he said that, and we regarding the last day, he said, Take heed to yourselves. So that that any time your heart be overcharged with serviting, drunkenness, and like, and so, that, so that, day come on, kind of that day comes on you upon know, the That day comes on you. What day? We talked about this last week. In context, he's talking about the last day. So it would definitely apply to the last day, because that's what he's talking about. Okay? But... You know, I believe it can also be the day of trouble, or the day of tribulation. I'm not just talking about the great tribulation, even though I believe it can apply to that as well. But Jesus said in John 7, 16 33, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. Be it by be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus promised we will have tribulation. Okay? Jesus never promised that our whole life would always be a bed of roses in this life, in this world, on this planet, okay? But while we await the great tribulation, or while we wait for the last days to to fully uh, come to a conclusion, many today are going through great tribulation. That's the part. We might have different views on the great tribulation. I'm not teaching on great trib, pre-trib, post-trib. I'm not talking about all that this morning. What I'm trying to address, whether we're talking about the great the last days the great tribulation, or whether we're talking about today, many people today... Great tribulation or no tribulation, many people today are going through some tribulation. Okay, Uh, if you haven't seen people on tribulation, you have never listened to the news, you've never been on Facebook, you have never been, you've never met another person in your life, because people have gone through things. Okay, I have gone through things. Okay, some better, some not as bad as others, and some things that were just completely horrible. Okay, and uh, and so uh, people are going through a lot of things today. Great Tribulation or not, okay? But all the apostles, including Jesus, said that there's some terrible things coming in the last days. Why would they be warned if they're not coming? Why would it be so unanimous in every New Testament writer if, they were not, if it was not true? Okay? As far as I'm concerned, Jesus has never lied to me. Okay? We need to be prepared for any day of trouble. Not just the last days. We need to be Prepared for any day of trouble. And if we can't be prepared for any day of trouble, we're definitely not going to be prepared for the last days. Okay? Because the last days are, uh, in one sense, nothing but trouble. In In one sense. But the last days are the birth pains of Jesus coming back. Okay? And that is worth it all. Okay? We need to be prepared. We need to prepare our hearts for being overtaken. If we don't prepare our hearts when we go through a tribulation, or when the great tribulation or the last days come, our hearts will be over, overtaken. Okay, And that's what we want to prepare. that makes sense? Um, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. Okay, Jesus said it this way, those who build their house on the rock when the storms of life come, uh, there won't be any destruction. But those who build their house on the sand when the storms of life come, The destruction will be great. That's talking about a heart that is overtaken. Am I making sense? I'm trying to prepare us for being overtaken. Maybe I'm a little late because maybe you're already in a tribulation. Well, I hope this this teaching will minister to you. (coughs) We talked a little bit last week how our hearts can be overtaken with serpentine. We already addressed it a little bit this morning. We talked about it in more detail last week. Our hearts can be overtaken with drunkenness. I'm not talking about the bottle, even though that can apply. The pot being drunk with the bottle went back to servitude. That makes sense? Now I'm talking about being drunk of the heart. We talked a lot about that last week. Our hearts can be overtaken with care and with worry. Almost every sickness, almost every disease stems back to some form of care and worry. Going back to Luke twenty-one real quick. And take heed to yourself, so that any time your heart be charged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and so that 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 day comes upon you unawares. Again, we need to take heed to ourselves. But he's not talking about, because surfeiting talks about self-centeredness. Okay? But he's not talking about being self-centered when he says take heed to yourself. He's not talking about selfishness. When he's talking about take heed to yourself. There's a difference and we're going to hopefully explain some of that. He's talking about guarding our hearts. So they're not overtaken when that day of tribulation shall come. See, in other words, he th- so he, he's talking about guarding our hearts so that these things don't get into our hearts. We don't want surfeiting, drunkenness, and, the, and worry and cares to get into our hearts. Okay? First Thessalonians, this is a new chapter verse for this morning, and that he King James, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. Okay? There's a simple recipe right here for how to lack for nothing. Okay? It's a simple recipe for how to be a witness to the world. Let's look at this recipe real quick, based on what we just read in Thessalonians. He talks about how we need to study to be quiet. I mean, no, it's hard to be quiet. Sometimes, our, if our mouth is not going, our mind is. Some people have a hard time just being quiet and being still and knowing that He is God. <coughs> We're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. Mind your own business. And we're going to be talking about that. Some of us who are even consider ourselves prayer warriors or whatnot, we can sometimes get into other people's affairs when we should not. Okay? We need to learn how to mind our own business. And we're going to talk about it. There's a fine line there. I'm not saying we, we should bear one another's burdens, and there's, there's a point to that. But we're going to talk about that briefly. Okay? In other words, don't be a busybody. Okay? Stay focused on guarding your heart. We're talking about. Your heart being drunk. We're talking about your heart being overtaken and overcharged. And we're talking, we're in rehab this morning about being sober-minded. And if we're focused on too many things, if we're focused on everyone else's business, but we're not guarding our own heart, do we going to have a problem. Okay? I can't, in other words, I can't guard your heart. That is not my job my job is to guard my heart i can teach you i can admonish you i can encourage you i can i do everything to help you but i can't guard it for you see i need to take heed to myself i'm not taking heed to you i'm taking heed to myself i need to guard my heart i'm not talking about being selfish and forget everybody else but when the rubber meets the road I'm responsible, when I stand before God, I'm standing before God by myself. And I need to make sure the devil, see if the devil overtakes my heart, I can't help you anymore. And so, I need to guard my heart. My wife's been a caregiver for 17 years, and one thing the things that taught her over and over again is that you need to take care of yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of the one you're supposed to be taking care of. If you get injured... Hurt your back because you're lifting up a client who should be participating in the, that process. And if you get injured, you cannot not help your, the client. Okay? So, see, <clears throat> when I try to guard everyone else's heart, my heart becomes overcharged. Going back, let's read Thessalonians again, but we'll read it from the Message Translation. It says, stay calm. Mind your own business. Do your own job. You've heard all of this from us before. But a, a, but a reminder never hurts. We want you living in a way that will command, command the respect of outsiders, not lying around sponging off your friends. Their masters coming. Okay? This is a message, so it's a little different flair to it. Okay? See, you are responsible for your spiritual formation. You are not responsible for other people's spiritual formation. Do parents have a responsibility to raise a child the way they should go? Yes. But at some point that child becomes an adult. And they when the rubber meets it, the road, they're responsible for their formation. Can you can, uh, that mean we're not involved in other people's lives? No, that's not what we're teaching. But I am not responsible for their formation. They have to make a choice. They have to make a decision. I'm not responsible for my spouse's formation, my kids, or anyone. Else. As a pastor, I'm not I'm, I'm responsible for your formation. I can teach you, I can pastor you, I can admonish you, but when the rubber meets the road, you're responsible for how you respond to the word of God, not me. Okay? I have to understand that. I'll have a hernia if I don't. Uh, Anyway, we'll get into that. Okay? That requires you to be focused. Okay? Let's let's take a look at another scripture here, Philippians 2. We looked at it last week, but we're going to look at it again this week. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of people put a period here where God puts a common or semicolon. Verse 13 says, For it's God who works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Now, I usually teach this this context in a totally different light, but today I'm going to take it from another perspective, okay? First of all, let's establish your salvation is on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you. It's not here or there. It's on the inside of you. Christ, Jesus, is on the inside of you. (coughs) The Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And we have to work it out. You can't work something out you don't already have. Am I making sense? We're not working for our salvation. We are working out what we already have. For it's God who's in us the will and do of his good pleasure. But how do we work this out? We work it out by faith. Okay? Faith in what? Faith in his grace. See, grace is God in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If I'm putting my faith in me to work it out, without God, that, that's like the cursed man that we read last week from Jeremiah, who's trusting in himself. Not the blessed man who's trusting in God. We need to work out our own salvation, but not without God. For it's God who's working in us to will and do His good pleasure. Okay? But I need to stay focused on the grace of God in my life. I need to stay focused on trusting God, not me. I need to stay focused on yielding to God. I need to stay focused on responding to God. And I do this with fear and trembling. Now, listen to me real quick. If it takes fear and trembling to work out my salvation, how can I possibly work out your salvation? I want to say that again. If it takes fear and trembling to work out my salvation, how can I possibly work out your salvation? I cannot work out everyone's salvation with fear and trembling. Talk about stress city. If I'm working out everyone's salvation with fear and trembling, I will be stressed out. And my heart will be overtaken when that day approaches. You talk about an overcharged heart if you're trying to work out everybody. And I'm the pastor. I have 1,400 people watching me every week. If I'm trying to work out everyone's salvation, I am going to be stressed out to the core. Are you following me? Am I making sense? If you don't work out your own salvation, but instead you work out everyone else's salvation, you will be overcharged. Because if you're working out everyone else's salvation, you are not working out your own salvation with fear and joy. It can't happen. Okay? You will be stressed out. And instead of being the witness God has called you to be, instead of fulfilling God's call even in your own life, you will be stressed out. That's why he says, take heed yourselves, that at any time your heart will be charged with surfeiting, with drunkenness, and cares of life, and so that they will so, so that will come upon you unawares. We need to take heed to ourselves. This is how we live free from being charged. By focusing on God and his work in our hearts. Let's take this on another, another, another level or perspective. We need to resign from from the Messiah complex. Many of us do not realize but we are acting like we are the CEO of the universe. And none of us make a good God. See, if you are trying to be God, you're going to be overcharged. See, stress city comes when we try to do God's job instead of resting in Him, instead of trusting Him. Our job is to believe God. Our job is to trust God. Our job is to walk by faith and to live by faith. But many are overcharged because they have the Messiah complex and don't know it. Now let me clarify something real quick. None of us are dumb enough to hold up a sign and say, I'm God. I don't think that's where any of us are coming from. Have there been some, lack of a better word, lunatics who have said that? Yes. But that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? But when you are trying to change someone, you are taking God's job. Many are overcharged, overwhelmed, because they have the Messiah complex and don't know it. See, David said this in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Selah means think about this. Dwell on this. Meditate on this. God said in Psalm 46, Be still, be quiet, and know I am God. I know that. That's what it says in Psalm 46. And many of us are acting like God is finding refuge in us versus us finding refuge in Him. Many of us are trying to do things that only God can do. Be still and know that I am God. Not me and Dave. I'm speaking from Psalm 46. But still know he's God, not you. If you try to be God, you're going to be overcharged. We need to give our spouses to God. We need to give our kids to God. We need to give our loved ones to God. We even need to give our enemies to God. Okay, I can go that route too. (coughs) Excuse me, you cannot change or fix yourself. You can't even change or fix yourself. You can only position yourself in faith for God to change you. You cannot change or fix your spouse. You cannot change or fix your kids. Why do we pressure everyone else to change instead of giving them to God? Why don't we just love them? Why don't we just serve them? One of the reasons why Sherry and I, my wife, have a good marriage is because we don't nag each other. We've had our bad days. We've had our in the flesh days. okay. But do you know why? Do you know many are overcharged because they, their loved ones nagged them? It, nagging someone will overcharge someone. You're, you're going to be overcharged, and the person being nagged is going to be overcharged. Do you know how many are overcharged because their loved ones are pressuring them, they're manipulating them, condemning them? It doesn't work. It actually becomes counterproductive. Okay? Yes, there are some things that that are non-negotiable for our kids when they are young. You know, Sherry and I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to speak on this in some ways. But if we have always said that we did, there are certain things that are not not non-negotiables. There are certain things that are not going to be allowed in this house. We would never allow Harry Potter in this house. We would never allow pornography in this house. We would never allow certain things in this house. We're going to go to church, okay? Even if they don't want to go, we're going. There could become kind of an age where now they have to make their own decision whether they go to church or not. But while they're of age, they're going. We're going. It's not, there's non-negotiable. While they're kids, while they're young, there's some things that are non-negotiable. That's my job as a parent, okay? But. There are there comes a time when we as parents are no longer responsible or accountable for them. We need to understand that, some of us. Okay? You are not their God. You're the parent. And you will always be their parent. But the role changes as they become of age. To a certain level. Am I making sense? I'm not really talking about parenting this morning. But I, I, I'm, I'm, dealing it. I'm trying to deal with some real people having some real stress. See, a Messiah complex is an overcharged heart. You have to give your spouses to God. You have to give your kids to God. You have to give your loved ones to God, even your enemies. Okay? Well, I don't want them to make the same mistakes I made. That's a very noble response. Well, if that's your response, though, give them to God. The whole reason you made a mistake is because you didn't give your own heart to God. Give them to God. Many are bearing a burden that's not yours to bear. Do we bear one another's burdens? Yes. But there's a, there's a, you're not their God. We can go too far with that. Okay? You cannot use your faith on anyone else. You can use your faith with others. There's a difference. Our responsibility is to teach the Word. Our responsibility is to believe the Word. We teach the Word in love. And what they do with that is between them and God. Many of you are trying to impose your faith on others, not realizing that is not your role. Everyone has to choose to get saved. If they can't make a choice, it's not love. You cannot make anyone get saved. You cannot make anyone get healed. You cannot... (coughs) <coughs> make anyone serve God, you cannot make anyone live right. Even as a pastor, I can't carry the burden what you do and hear it's not my responsibility. I don't love you anymore. I don't love you any less if you don't if you listen to my teachings or not. My calling is to love you. My calling is to teach you. My calling is not to. It is not to make you change your life and destiny. That's not my job. That's your job. And, and one says that's God's job. But yeah, it, it, you make that decision. And God's job to to help you with that. See, Romans 14, 22 says, Do not have faith. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself. Before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. See, in the context of in Romans 14, in the context, Paul's talking about the Sabbath. He's talking about meat sacrificed to idols. He's talking about if you have a clear conscience about eating meat sacrificed to idols, then keep that faith to yourself. Don't practice it openly to offend others. That's the context here. So we, got to, we, understand, we have to understand that since I pull up this verse. And Paul is talking about eating meat to idols. and He says, you can't impose your faith on others. To the week be the week to win the week. If you have a conviction how to wear your hair, because that's also in context, keep it to yourself. Dr. About, about more in Corinthians, and he does Romans. If you have a conviction what day you worship on, keep it to yourself. Don't try to impose it on me to condemn me, because I worship every day. That's, that's the way New Testament did it. That's the way I do it. Okay? Paul also said in Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There's three things here. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What if I took all three responsibilities? My heart will be overcharged. I am not responsible for the increase God is. In Acts Acts 2, the beginning of the church, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. God did it. God added those who are being saved. Did you plant well? No stress. Did you water well? Then no stress. We need to learn to give our problems to God daily. We need to cast our cares on God daily. Now I want to switch gears here a little bit. But in Romans 4, talking about Abraham and being fully persuaded what he had promised that he was able to perform. Abraham was fully persuaded that God could give him a child. What he had promised he was able to perform. He was fully persuaded. That's how faith works. My faith might not be in my spouse or my kids or even myself. My faith is in God. That if I, if I plant and water, God will bring the increase. I can trust His Word. I can trust Him. Everyone has a choice to make a decision. People can reject God's Word. They still have that choice. But this is how faith works. How faith works. God gives a promise, like He did with Abraham part is being fully persuaded that God will fulfill that promise. And God's part is performing that promise. God's part is to give a promise and fulfill the promise. My part is to be fully persuaded that He will perform what He promised. That's how faith works. Making sense? My part is to be fully persuaded. That is called God's part is to promise and perform. That is called grace. Let me back up. I want to say this again. My part is to be fully persuaded. That is called faith. God's part is to promise and perform. That is called grace. This leads to what we were talking a lot about last week, casting our cares on Him. How many of us have carried our own problems until one day we find ourselves overwhelmed? And sometimes the problem itself is no longer the real problem. We have an overcharged heart. We're overwhelmed. The real problem is that we have been carrying all of our problems and burdens for our loved ones and other things and the cares of this life too long. To the point you don't even know what the problem is anymore. You don't even know what's wrong. You just know, you're just you just falling apart. You're burned out. You're broken. You're tired. And you don't, don't know what to pick up. Your soul, your mind, your emotions are overwhelmed. So how do we detox? How do we sober up? How do we give our problems to God? How do we give our spouses and our kids and everything to God? And I'm just highlighting some things. I haven't highlighted every single type of problem out there. See, even though I keep coming back to me as much as I can as a pastor, I'm not the power that builds this church, my house discipleship center. I am not the power to build my marriage with my wife. I am not the power to build my business because I have a business called Ezra Apostille Notary. I am not the power to build my own life. I am just a facilitator. I am just a steward. I am just a child of God. I'm just a sheep. But as long as I do my part and being fully persuaded in my God who has promised God will build this church God will build my marriage God will build my business and God will build my life when we carry the problem many of us have left God I've seen, as a pastor I've seen many people get upset with God and leave their relationship with God because at some point they become overwhelmed I've seen this so many times, folks. Even those who have been to Bible college, even those who have been in ministry, I've seen them get so overwhelmed over a, long, over a period of time that they find leave God. Their heart has become overjoyed with servitude, with drunkenness, and with decay in this world. If a man thinks he's standing, take heed lest he fall. See, when you give him when we give Him, God, our problems, we can stick it out. We can have long suffering, patience, endurance. But how do we give our problems to God? One of the things we've got to do, we have you unload it out of, out of your heart. In other words, you cast it on God. Going back to 1 Peter, we read 1 Peter last week, but I'm going to read it this morning from the Amplified. Okay, verse 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. The ministers and spiritual guides of the church. Giving them, so that's what elders are. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to come back to the Amplified later, but I am going to come back to this elders part. The ministers and spiritual guides of the church giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, clothe apron yourself, all of you with humility. <coughs> We're going to be talking about that this morning. As a garb of a servant, so that his covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. Same verse. It's a long verse in Amplified. With freedom from pride and arrogance towards one another, for God sets himself against the proud, then in insolent. Overbearing, the disdainful, the, the presumptuous, the boastful, and he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them. But his grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Verse 6 Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. Verse 7 Casting the whole care, the whole care. All anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Okay. We need our minds to be renewed that God really cares. Some of us have heard of this all of our lives so much that we. We, we, we can quote scripture that God cares us, that God loves for us, but some of us, we, if we were really peeled back the onion, we are not convinced, we are not fully persuaded God really cares about me and my problems. Doctrinally, we believe he does. In, in our minds, we do. But in our hearts, because we're talking about the symptoms of a hard heart, we are not convinced, we are not fully persuaded God really Cares. Whatever's stressing you out, whatever is overcharging your heart, whatever is burdening burdening your heart, God really cares. And God cares about you affectionately, and God cares about you watchfully. God can be trusted with your problems. Verse 8, still amplified. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be diligent and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring, in fierce hunger, seeking someone to cease upon and devour. Verse 9, withstand him, be firm in faith. That's why we're talking about faith, because that's how we withstand him, being firm in faith, against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and, and determined, knowing that the same, identical suffering, are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. Let's go back to verse 7 real quick. And they have a bite still. Casting the whole care, all anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Casting your cares on God is called humility. Are you hearing me? We're talking about how to become sober. We're talking about how to cast our cares. See, worry is pride. Worry is me taking charge. Worry is me trying to fix it. Worry is me trying to figure it out. Worry is me holding on to it. Worry is me drawing off the flesh. Worry is not a thing. Because anything that's not a faith is sin. And we all need help not to worry. If you think that you don't need help by worry, you are a fool. You're deceived. I don't say that to be mean. I say that to help you. Worry is me taking charge. It's me trying to figure it out. It's me holding on to it. It's, but humility is casting the care. Again, back to Matthew. Come to me, all you who are labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly heart and I will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden. Not. Again, Jesus wants us to take and be yoked to him. Again, being yoked to him is casting our kids on him. But being yoked is finding rest for your souls, it's learning from him. See, we need to learn to give our problems to God. Daily. But, mo- I don't know how to say this any other way. We don't. Most of us don't. Because we're overwhelmed. If we were overwhelmed, we would find rest for our souls. See, we need to cast our cares on God daily. This is being Sober. And because we're not sober, the devil, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour, casting every issue of our lives on him. We need to learn to give God our problems. But how do we do that? Trust him. Being fully persuaded. Going back to 1 Peter. I'm going to be back in the New King James here. Likewise, you yourself... People, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, of all of, of, of you, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility, for God is just a proud, gives me See, submitting to one another is humility. See, to have the attitude, I don't need help is pride. And most of us are embarrassed to get help. See, embarrassment is your pride. Blushing. You don't like that. Some of you just blushing by me saying that. Okay? We need to unload our cares on Him daily. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Instead of unloading the wrong things. Because if we don't unload the right things, some of us are going to unload the wrong things. See, when your heart is overwhelmed because you're not unloading the right things, you're not casting cares on Him, you will unload time of God. You want love going to church you want love reading your Bible you want love time with your family or even with your family but you're you're there but nobody's home because you're you' you're worried about everything that says spending quality time with your family your your body's there but your mind is elsewhere so if you want love sleep you can't sleep okay A love Even tithing, because you're so worried about how you're going to pay the bill, pay this, that you don't worship God with your tithing no more. Or you skip a week, or you skip a month, or whatever, however it is. See, Jesus wants us to find rest for our souls. And symptoms of unrest is, can't sleep at night. Still worrying in the morning. You're burned out. You're overloaded. You're stressed. I can go on. But when you can't cast a problem to God, you need help. Peter said, likewise you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. All of you, including the pastor. We need to submit ourselves to one another. Submitting to one another is humility. Asking help from one another is humility. Asking a trusted spouse for help It's a humility. A trusted pastor or mentor. A trusted elder. See, when you can't shake it, reach out for help. Now let me qualify this. I'm not talking about unloading on elders every day. No, your elders are not God. I'm talking about developing a relationship with your God and casting your cares on him every day. But when you can't cast a problem to God, submit to your elders. See, I got some of these notes from Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, and he has in his own life, if he can't sleep one night, he'll cast a God, he'll go to his wife. If he's not, if he, and one night he just can't sleep, he can't shake this, he's going to go to his wife. His trusted flash and say, you know what, honey, I, I know, I just can't, I just can't drop, I can't shake this. In two nights, he's now going to call his elders of his church saying, hey, I, I need to pray with me, I, I need to shake this. He said, in other words, he's saying, I'm not going to go all week with this thing. I'm going to unload this thing. I'm talking about, about carrying that worry and week week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year and a lifetime of you carrying this burden. We have God to cast it on, and we don't. We have the elders of the church. God has set His body in such a way that we do not have to carry this burden alone. God is our source, not one another. But we don't can't do it. Sometimes we need help. Aaron, I mean uh, Joshua, was fighting a battle, and Moses lifted up his hand. And as his hands were being lifted up, Joshua was winning the battle. But even Moses needed help because it was Aaron and her that kept Moses' hands up. Really, Aaron and her were the were the heroes of that day. If they didn't help keep Moses' hands up. Joshua would not have won the battle, and all Israel would have lost. Okay? I'm talking about casting your cares on God. But, when you can't shake it, humble yourself and reach out to an elder. Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. What does rejoice mean? Rejoice means, if you look it up, it means a calm happiness. It's an attitude of happiness. Why is it a calm happiness? If I cast my cares on him daily, I will have a calm happiness. See, we're talking about a joy of the kingdom of God that is on the inside of us. We are not talking about the flesh. We're not talking about Chemistry body chemistry. We're not talking about personality. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of God is within us. I have a kingdom of joy in my heart, no matter what is happening. I'm not walking, I'm not, I'm if I'm walking by faith, I will have a calm happiness. If I'm fully persuaded. I will have a calm happiness. Are you following me? A calm happiness means I don't have any worries because I have joy. And how can you have joy if you didn't cast your cares on him? But if you have cast your cares on him, you will have joy. You will have peace because the kingdom of God is joy, joy, peace, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And if I have a calm happiness, I have a joy, I'm rejoicing. I now will be able to be a witness everywhere I go. It's going to be hard for you to be a witness if you don't have joy and you don't have righteousness and peace, the kingdom of God. You're not going to be a good witness anyway. (laughs) You might be a witness, but not of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is, is joy and peace. And if you're not joy and peace, then what kind of witness are you being? See, because I have guarded my heart. When you we guard our hearts, because out of it flows the issue of life, we can be a witness. Proverbs says again, be keeping your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issue of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always means always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. That's a witness. The Lord is at hand. Let's <laughs> talk about the end times. Be anxious for nothing; that's worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, with thanksgiving, not with grumbling, not with complaining, not with pulling out your hair, but with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with it, you let your request be known to God. This is a commandment. We think there's no commandments in the New Testament. I I, I see this as a command. You do not have the privilege to worry. This is the commandment. Some of us are so schooled into worrying. Anyway, I I have some more uh, things on that, but hopefully you're hearing me. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, peace is part of the, the, Holy, the, the kingdom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. We're talking about guarding our hearts. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. How do we guard our hearts? I'm doing exactly what he's saying here Philippians chapter 4. Am I? Through Christ Jesus. Jesus. See, some of us are praying so much about the problem. All we think about is the problem. Instead of casting our cares on Him. And some of us are praying so much about the problem, all we think about is the problem. Instead of experiencing His peace. Instead of experiencing His joy. Instead of experiencing calm happiness. for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we need to thank Him. There is a promise. That matches my problem. And He is a performer. See, when we are worrying and meditating on our problems. His peace and joy is not ruining our hearts. I want to say that again. When we are worrying and meditating on our problems. His peace and His joy is not ruining our hearts. The problem is. The problem is ruining our hearts. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what do you think about? What do you meditate on? Well, finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. But how? With thanksgiving. With an attitude, I trust you, God. I trust you, Abba. I trust you, Father. I'm fully persuaded that what you promise, you are able to before For all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. I went through this a lot faster than I thought, but we talked talked this morning about being sober-minded. There's a lot of scriptures I could have brought out. I didn't think I had enough time to bring them out, but there's a lot the Bible says about being sober-minded. Paul talks about this at the end of last week's message. I brought them out But the Bible talks about we need to be sober, minded. Okay, We're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. And if our hearts become overwhelmed, they can be overwhelmed and they become hard. Well, we don't expect God to do anything. The first week we talked about how from Jesus in the book of Mark, where they weren't expecting him to walk in the water because their hearts were hard. They weren't expecting a miracle. They were not fully persuaded. Their hearts were overwhelmed at the storm and whatnot. And some of us are so, so overwhelmed by the storm that we're overwhelmed. And we're not expecting God. We're not fully persuaded that he's going to come through. These, these messages go together. Okay? Next week, I'm going to take, we're going to start a brand new series, and we're going to be talking about the essence of redemption. We're going to get to the very basics. That Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. He purchased us. We die to the flesh. We die to sin. We are dead to the world. The the sin is not ruling over us. No, we are living in Christ Jesus. And we're going to be talking about this. The essence of redemption. We are redeemed. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's something we need to say. There's something we should be shouting about. And if we understand our redemption, we have no reason to be worried. We have no reason to be overwhelmed. But we need to be reminded of the cross daily. We need to be reminded of the essence. We're redeemed. We're redeemed from all this junk. We're redeemed. Okay? And we have something to say. We have something to teach to our spouse, to our loved ones, to the world. And if we really understood redemption, we would not be fretting over the things that we fret about. But we don't understand it. We we don't. We should be meditating on this, not our cares and worries. We should be meditating on the essence of redemption. We're going to be talking about this in more detail starting next week. I got a lot of notes. I've been working on this uh, the last couple of weeks. And I'm excited about this new teaching, the essence of redemption. I see a lot of things on Facebook that just wants, makes my, I don't even know how to say it, but makes my heart want to crawl. It's just people don't understand the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. They're still trying to get it by their own performance. They're still trying to get it by their own repentance and different things. I believe in repentance, but, uh, uh, you know, um, repentance means to change our mind. We need to change our mind. We, I'm all about repenting, but repentance is the fruit. I mean, the, yeah, the fruit. It's not the roots. And we're not just repenting from sinning. We're, we're repenting to God. If all we do is stop sinning, but we're not living to God, what good does that do? Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? Okay? Um, and so we need, we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin, yes, but a lie to God in Christ Jesus. There's two sides of the coin. And we need to recognize ourselves. We're dead to sin. If we're dead to sin, why are we living in any longer? We're dead to it. You can go to a graveyard, and you can find the worst, or the worst sinner that ever lived in California. You can go to that graveyard, and guess what? You can tempt them with that sin, and they can't. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. That's why? They're dead. You can find the worst gossiper that ever lived. In Camarillo, California. And you can tell them the most enticing news about someone else, and they're not going to get involved. Why? Because they're dead. And when we understand that we're dead to sin, we don't have to live in it any longer. Anything that's not a faith is sin. We don't have to live in anything that's not a faith. We can live unto God. And we, if we understand our redemption as in Christ we're going to get into this next week. I'm teaching next week's message. Can you know, I finish early. I still have 14 minutes left. I don't usually do that. I thought I had way too much info this morning. But this will help sober our minds. This will help bring things back into perspective. This is what we're teaching about. We don't talk a lot about sin here because we're dead to it. We're talking about living unto God. I, that doesn't mean I'm weak in sin. No. I'm now, we cannot sin because he who knew no sin became sin, that I may become the righteous God. Jesus crucified sin. Why do I need to keep talking about what Jesus crucified? Well, why do I need to talk about the dead man? I need to talk about the new man that I am in Christ Jesus. So are you saying it's okay to sin? No! If we're dead to sin, why are we living in it any longer? Okay? And so, prophets um, don't realize who we are, what, we're, what we've been redeemed from, and who we've been redeemed to. We've been purchased. By the blood of Jesus. And Jesus has purchased us with his own blood. We're gonna learn next week how He Jesus has has changed, He has redeemed us from the the penalty of sin. He's redeemed us from the power of sin. And we need to start identifying ourselves who we are. If we start identifying who we are in Christ Jesus. That will be a sober mind. See, a lot of us are not sober; so we're drunk of the heart because we have not. We are still identifying with the problem. We're still identifying with our weakness. We're still identifying with with this world. We are not of this world. We are of Christ. We are born of Christ. There's over three hundred scriptures in the New Testament talk about who we are in Christ. We are a new creation. We need to, if we get that in our minds, repent from being in sin and change our minds, which repentance means change your mind, repent and change our mind of who we are and identify who we are in Christ. That will sober our minds. You can't get more sober than that. We need to meditate on who we are in Christ Jesus and stop meditating on the cares and worries of this world that Jesus has redeemed us from. It's like we're digging up the grave and trying to, to meditate on the old dead man. No, we are redeemed. And we need to understand the essence of our redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to get this next week. I just had some time, so I'm like, let's preach a little prelude for next week's messages. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. So we're, anyway, uh, we have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're talking about uh, believers authority. See, when you understand our redemption... Our authority becomes so crystal clear. And yeah, so, uh, anyway. God bless you guys. Have a great day. And we will see you tonight at 6 o'clock.